Caldwell Medicine Review, episode 79, for January 4th, 2018. Happy New Year, everybody. It's a happy new year, a few days late, but a happy new year to you, nonetheless. Welcome to the show. A lot of interesting topics. I thought I'd start off the new year with. I hope everybody had a good transition. If the new year means anything to you, it means a little less to me as the years go on, but you know, there's a there's a tweet I need to look up. But first let me give credit to the song. Old Lang Sign. And the note I have with it, I used this song last year. This file is a recording of the public domain work recorded by my orchestra, Le Deux Love Orchestra. So it's by Le Deux Love Orchestra. I don't know if I... It's, it's, it's spelled out less dukes. Dukes. I'm not French or whatever that is, so... There is my credit. And you know what? I uploaded the New Year's episode to YouTube, which is deleted now, but last year, and I got flagged. I got a copyright flag, and I think it was demonetized or something like that. I don't remember. So let's get started. You know what? And I'll, of course, I'll start with some New Year's stuff. I... There's a guy in the band saying Happy New Year. But I said I was going to look up that tweet. There's a, there's a funny, smug tweet from Neil deGrasse Tyson. and I forgot to bookmark it. I didn't think to use it for the show, but... It was funny. If I can't find a link for it, I'll just have to find it manually. Alright, here it is. Neil deGrasse Tyson tweets... On January 1st, not that anybody asked, but New Year's Day at the Gregorian calendar is a cosmetically, or cosmically rather, arbitrary event, carrying no astronomical significance at all. <clears throat> and I don't remember where. Well, I can't find the response that I was thinking of. Maybe it was deleted, but... Somebody replied back to the effect of, well, my restaurateur friend uh, mentioned that the um, New Year has no nutritional significance either. And there was something funny, and I don't remember, and I don't think I'll be able to find it anytime soon, so I'm just going to move on. Way to begin the show. So in light of the New Year, BuzzFeed... Post another gem on their site. 37 things white people need to stop ruining in 2008. Subtitled, First of All, America. An article by Patrice Peck, BuzzFeed staff. Whose other gems include, let's see... 22 tweets from 2017 you should send to your homegirl ASAP. 
21 times Rihanna made 2017 her bitch. So you can see some of the other insightful content she produces. Well, the first on the list is macaroni and cheese. Uh, and, and all these, these lists are, they're like short videos or pictures. Looks like they're all tweets. The whole list is a, it's a, like, number two is protesting. They have that picture of the Pepsi commercial. Anyway, I think it's intended, or the reason why BuzzFeed even allowed it, because it's, uh, supposed to be cute or funny or something like that. I don't, I don't really know, but it just, this whole article just reeks of a bitter black woman who does not like whites all that much. Very liberal. So, I mean, even liberal whites don't like whites, so I wouldn't expect her to. For example, number seven is United States of America, and they show how the white vote went to Trump. So they, they ruined America by voting Trump in and keeping Hillary out. According to her, the others is award shows, Grammys, various foods, even joints. I'll sample one of these videos. One is Tupac's California Love. Which I think some of these are dancing videos, so she's she's showing or I'll, I'll, I'll verify, but I don't want to turn the volume down on the on these some of these videos, so I'm just not gonna even play the audio. So that's a picture of a band, and then there's some other pictures. Let's see. White people dancing. Looks like a lot of these videos already went down. They probably got, you know, she probably, she tweeted, or she she posted all these random people's tweets. A lot of these people, I, I really doubt she knows. And I'm guessing maybe a lot of them just took down their tweets. Uh, number 17 is our national anthem. The video, the YouTube video is down already. So more dancing videos. So she doesn't like white people dancing. It's a black music, I guess. Or any music, I don't, I don't really know. Not a bitter black woman. Number 26 is just so basically hip hop. Because that's how you title a subject, I guess. So basically hip hop. So basically hip hop. Let's see, the Fresh Prince of the Bear, Bel Air hit, uh, theme song, number 28, shows a white guy singing, I'm not gonna play it. I don't, just don't care to see some of these. Now I'll agree that a lot of these videos are cringeworthy. So I'm not faulting anybody for not liking those. Well, number 32 is joints, so they, sh they show joints in a nice package, so I guess white people, they can't do stuff with joints, according to her. Chopped cheese, I don't know what that is. She includes a transracial person, number 35, identifying as Filipino. And then number 36 is identifying as black, and they show two examples. No, it's not Rachel Dolezal. So, yep. So, and, and then another one. 
another article showed up on BuzzFeed. Well, that was called 37 Things Black People Need to Stop Ruining in 2018. And, and just so you know, anybody can upload something to BuzzFeed. Even if you're not staffed, there's some kind of community thing you can you can upload things to. And uh, you can guess which of these two articles got taken down. Oh, I can't I can't read the other one since it was taken down. I had it bookmarked before. So I'm sure you can still find it online if you look for it. So I was also supposed to be a I was supposed to be a funny response, I guess, or whatever. A little bit more gut punching. You know, someone that thinks that racial humor can be funny if it's done right, and a lot of people have done it right, but these, well, these mediocre people that try to be funny, they just they just show their bitterness, which is maybe supposed to be guys' humor. I can't say for certain that I know she's bitter, but I'm going to go ahead and... and uh, Give her the benefit of the doubt that she isn't and, and wish her a happy life with her cats. There's an article on The Hill titled BuzzFeed Faces Blowback for 37 Things White People Ruin This Year's Story. I didn't see this article. I just kind of found it on a quick search. It's an article by Joe Concha. I don't know about the backlash, but I'll read the article real quick. Our article saying that the blowback was from conservative media members and social media. They got some tweets. One by Britt McHenry, one by Paul Joseph Watson. Pretty much just calling it racist. I mean, if it's not racist, I don't know what it is. Now, if it's gonna, if you're gonna put something racist out, at least make it like clever or funny. A top comment by Dan. Farer, if you want to know if any article is racist or not, just replace white with black and see if it still seems racist. Or if, it's, if it still seems racist, it probably is. Good general rule. And BuzzFeed does this thing too, where they'll have, like, say, like a black article writer. They'll say, you know... I think there was one last year that says that was something like to the to effect of, you know, things that black people need to stop doing. So there's a black author writing things that black people need to stop doing and you know, this year or whatever. And I, I don't remember exactly what the content or what was in the that article, but I I remember that just pretty much being just as stupid and and not funny. But it tried to. It seemed to try to like have that humor bent to it. It just you know completely failed. So, I'm in a, a bit of an agreement with Trump when he calls BuzzFeed a failing pile of garbage. And they did have layoffs, like the New York Times did. I don't know um, what the percentage of layoffs were. The next big story is a Steve Bannon versus. Trump stuff. 
The article on Mediate, Bannon reportedly mulling 2020 POTUS run, called Trump an 11-year-old child, article by Ken Meyer. It begins with a profile of Steve Bannon indicates that Breitbart chief, the Breitbart chief, is getting increasingly frustrated with President Trump and might tap into his own presidential ambitions in the coming years. I am struggling with a little bit of congestion right now, so you'll have to excuse my pronunciation of some things. And these are according to some leaks. I believe they were leaks. Leaks from his new book. I've heard them called leaks anyway. I'm just typing uh I'm just typing a search for the word leaks in this article. I don't remember who who said leaks. But I don't think it was an article I read. There's an update at the bottom of the article, however, saying that the uh, CNN political reporter Rebecca Berg identifies a source who works with Bannon as saying that there is no truth to the Bannon 2020 talk. The White House did have a response to some of his comments, however. Actually, in Google News, there's a, a top headline, or the top headline right now is Led by the merciless Bannon's allies abandon him. Oh yes, uh, let's see. Bannon calls the Trump Tower a Trump Tower meeting treasonous. Apparently in his book, his upcoming book. It's an article on the Guardian I see right now. Maybe we'll have some of the quotes. Article titled, Trump Tower meeting with Russians treasonous, Bannon says an explosive book. It says, Bannon speaking with author Michael Wolf warned that the investigation into alleged collusion with the Kremlin will focus on money laundering and predicted, quote, they're going to crack Don Jr. like an egg on national TV. So yeah, that was the Donald Trump Jr. meeting, which came up in the, in the news quite a bit already. There was no law broken. It, you know, people were just comparing him. He th- he thought he was th- he thought he was going to meet a a Russian lawyer or something like that who had some information on on Hillary wrongdoing or something like that, and uh, you know, pretty much compared to the Clinton links to the financing of that. Dossier, Russian dossier that like the the piss dossier. Uh, it kind of squashed that whole kind of fake outrage that you know the media was putting out. So keep in mind, this is before the whole book is out, and there's already a statement, apparently from the president of the United States. This is I'm reading this off of Twitter. Twitter feed from Peter Alexander. This is what I what came up. Um, the statement of the from the president of the United States, Steve Bannon, or it says Steve Bannon has nothing to do with me or my presidency. When he was fired, not only he lost his job, he lost his mind. Steve was a staffer who worked with, uh, for me after I had already won the nomination by defeating seventeen candidates, and it goes on and on and on. This is similar to the. Statement I found before, so I believe it is the original. 
And you gotta trust everybody with the blue check mark on Twitter. Well, you, you can trust that you know they're idiots, but at least that you know they'll, they'll take down something wrong after a bunch of bla- uh, backlash. Further down in the statement, says Steve was rarely in on one in one, in on a one in one meeting with me, and only pretends to have had influence to fool a few people with no access and no clue. So it's pretty interesting. Pretty heated. And this is after a lot of Republicans blame Bannon for the whole Roy Moore thing. And Roy Moore wasn't a, a Trump favorite either. Although I think Trump wanted him to win after he finally got the Republican nomination, at least. And then uh, more Trump news, and, and of course it's Twitter news. The, the big the big Trump Twitter news anyway is uh, him tweeting uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is stated that the nuclear button is at his desk at all times. Will someone from his depleted and food-starved regime please inform him that I too have a nuclear button, but it's much bigger and more powerful than his, and my button works. So you can imagine how the media handled that one. I even saw an article titled, Can Twitter Ever Take Trump's Account or Close Trump's Account? Something like that. More Twitter news. It's all Twitter. Everybody does Twitter. I'm not a, Well, I, I am on Twitter, but I don't, I don't use it. Not for actual conversations, anyway. Article on lawandcrime.com. Ex-Sheriff Clark... It's, David Clark slams diaper-wearing lefty for turning him into Twitter for breaking rules. Diaper-wearing lefty in quotes by Alberto Luperon. He tweets, On December 31st, winning against lying lib media and whiny snowflakes again. Like at real Donald Trump said, We'll win so much, we'll get tired of winning. Not yet, however... Diaper-wearing lefty didn't like my metaphor referencing to punching line-lit media in the nose. Twitter said no violation. Duh. He's got a picture. And the picture doesn't exist. And I don't see his tweet on Twitter. So, either he deleted it or this is fake news. But what I do know is he says libtard a lot on his Twitter. Or he said it once. A YouTuber, popular YouTuber named Logan Paul got a bunch of backlash. He, he I guess he vlogs daily. Which just means, oh, he uploads a, <laughs> a YouTube video daily. And he's just, he's just a, he's a celebrity for uh, just being alive, I guess. You know, like uh, Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian, but male. He's got a famous brother. Um, I don't, I, I forget what his name is. Logan Paul, and I think it's, it's Jake Paul. So Logan Paul went into the Suicide Forest, which is in Japan, and Suicide Suicide Forest. If you don't know, is just a very 
Well, it was notorious for um, people committing suicide in it. You know, uh, like uh, I think the number one, the number one place in the United States to commit suicide or North America, I th think, and well, I think it's, I think it's Niagara Falls. Though I know the Golden Gate Bridge is up there too. Now I have to look it up. But I think that pales into pales in comparison to Suicide Forest in Japan. Should be my guess. I thought the way I heard it was Niagara Falls is a is the number one location, one for honeymoons and the other ones for suicide. There's an article on uh, keywcom from January, June 17, 2014. It said an estimated 5,000 people have perished going over Niagara Falls. I think that it counts stunts as well. It's one of the most popular. It's been one of the most popular stunts for more than 100 years, I believe. So no, it is. It isn't the most popular location. For suicides, um, it lists for the United States, Golden Gate Bridge. That's the top. Niagara Falls is on the list, though. Uh, and the most popular place in the world is called Nanjing Yangtze. Totally pronouncing that wrong, I'm sure. River Bridge in Nanjing, China. Golden Gate Bridge. Coming in second, Prince Edward Viaduct. I don't. I'm not sure what that is. In Toronto, Ontario, Toronto, or Toronto, Ontario. And then comes the uh, Aokigahara Forest. I really don't. I'm pronouncing that right either. But it's close to Mount Fuji in Japan. Well, anyway, without. I'm, I'm diverting here, but he goes into this forest, try to film some stupid ghost stuff or something like that, or try to make something spooky. Well, he ends up coming across a dead body. And so he's, you know, they show him, you know, kind of freaking out or hyper hyperventilating to some point. Or whatever, and uh, yeah, then he uploads a video with the blurred out body. Gets tons of back backlash, as you can imagine. So it opens up a big debate about morality, respecting the victims and their families of suicide. On one side, people are calling him for you know the, the the destruction of his career and the other side of other side of people saying that he made what he did was most likely in poor judgments but we also need to think about the dead bodies that the media will publish and you know many times it's for political purposes and I was called Jake Paul Logan Paul has issued, uh, I think, two apologies now. 
I don't think the first one went over well. It was something to do with Like, he put a hashtag in it or, you know, something. Something seemed off about it, but. I think that really need it. I think that's all that really needs to be said about that story. Sessions terminates U.S. policy that let legal pot flourish. That's, an, that's a headline on the Associated Press. So this is pretty hot news right now. Article says Sessions action um, just three days after the legalization law went into effect in California. So that's more news, California. Legalized recreational use of marijuana. They had the medical before. Uh, threatened the future of the young industry. Created confusion in states where a legal drug, or where the drug is legal, and outraged both marijuana advocates and some members of Congress, including Sessions. Fellow Republicans, many conservatives are wary of what they see as federal intrusion in areas they believe must be left to the states. And the most uh, noted Republican is uh, Senator Cory Gardner of Colorado, one of the eight states that have legalized marijuana for recreational use, according to the Associated Press. He uh, says the change contradicts the pledge sessions made to him before being confirmed as Attorney General. Gardner promised to push legislation to protect marijuana sales, saying he's prepared to, quote, take all steps, or to take all steps necessary, end quote, to fight the change including holding up the confirmation of Justice Department nominees. As a Republican senator, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska called the announcement disruptive and regrettable. So we'll see. I don't know really what to make of it, make of this myself. I think when it comes to marijuana legalization, I think the genie is out of the bottle. Or the cat's out of the bag, or whatever you want to say. It's it's not going to be put back in. And uh, and it's not going to look good. I don't think if there are, if there are federal SWAT raids and and things like that, things of that nature. Inside states that have legalized marijuana, there that's gonna that's gonna create a huge shitstorm. For lack of better words. Now, I just personally don't see that happening. But it'll be an interesting story to follow nonetheless. Another article is uh, is one from The Verge. The CPU catastrophe will hit hardest in the cloud. This is the headline. Subheadline: cloud platforms have patched fast, but the hardest work is yet to come. It's an article by Russell Brandom. From today, January 4th, this is a vulnerability that's new to me, but apparently there's two disastrous new processor vulnerabilities spilled out into the open. That's their phrase. The vulnerabilities dubbed Meltdown and Spectra. In fact, nearly every processor made in the last 20 years. Meltdown is the immediate threat with proof-of-concept exploits already available. But Spectre is much deeper and harder to patch, potentially leading to generations of the more subtle exploits in the years to come. 
The result has left nearly every major technology company scrambling to protect themselves and their customers. The focus so far being personal devices. The flood of patches already available this morning, according to the X. According to this article, uh, but experts are saying that the most severe damage will likely come when the exploits are turned on cloud services. So if you don't have a reason to freak out about cloud services, here you go. Just imagine how many times cloud services will be hacked in the future. They've already been hacked. In some cases. And now apparently there's an exploit that can uh, potentially affect a lot of it. Something that nobody ever foresaw. And the fact is when you store your data on a server in a faraway land, you are putting yourself at risk. Perhaps more risk than your own home PC since you don't have control over it. It's not to say that there are people that own PCs that don't take, don't take any precautions at all and can be easily hacked. For all you know, I know, or anybody knows, anybody can be easily hacked. A lot of times we don't find out about the hacks until the hacks are leaked or vulnerabilities are leaked years later. Such as some of the back doors that were revealed with Microsoft, Apple, and so on. So the article gets into more detail about who can be affected. It says that Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, and Microsoft Azure all immediately deploy patches against the meltdown attack. There's no indication that the available exploits could work against any of those platforms. So we'll see if any news comes out of that. Perhaps it is already old news. And I'm going to issue a correction. I think I said before um, the whole, with the Steve Bannister that it was his book, but it's, it's uh, Michael Wolf's book. And uh, Stephen, Stephen, or Steve Bannon's comments were in that book. Book that apparently Sarah Sanders calls trashy tabloid fiction. Sarah Sanders is the White House press secretary. And on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm sure the book will be in the news more. But I think I've learned all I need to know about it for now. I hope everybody has a great weekend and I'll hope to catch you next time.